perempuan Modusbeat Dia Delgas Brothers and Sisters We had a very comprehensive overview of Seva activities taking place in all the countries of Zone 4. When I was seeing the visuals of the tsunami, my mind went back to the night of the tsunami. The whole night, 2002, when tsunami hit Indonesia, that's the first time that we recognized that there's a word called tsunami. Till then, we had no idea. The whole night, Swami was awake and he was asking the servitor who was with him, what are they reporting? How many people have died and he was giving an update and Swami said, no, many more, many more are affected. So, Bhagwan who created all of us, created this whole world, is also very much with each one of us and in all our problems. My mind went back almost 10 years prior to the tsunami. One day I was at Swami's lotus feet and an earthquake had taken place in Egypt. And Swami was explaining why these calamities take place. And he said, see for example, what does man do? For the sake of his tongue, he empties of the ocean with tons and tons of fish and this creates an imbalance and leads to earthquakes. So I was wondering, Swami, the earthquake is in Egypt, there is no ocean there. But Swami is talking about, you know, we are taking fish and creating imbalance in the water of the ocean. It was only when the tsunami took place, those words came back and hit me. And I realized that uh, whatever calamities take place, it's because of the actions of man. It's not the action of God, it's the action of man. And these are beautiful lines which Swami uttered when an earthquake took place in India in a state called Gujarat. The epicenter was Bhuj and the whole that region got devastated. Swami sent lorries and lorries of relief material with his uh, people to do relief. And Swami was sharing with us in Trai Vrindavan. He said, see what has happened is the law of nature, but what I am doing is love of nature. So, for the actions of man, the reaction comes as the law of nature, but it is our duty, our dharma, 
to respond to everybody in distress. And that, Swami says, is love of nature which he embodied. Continuing into the deliberations of faith that we started, initiated, in a devotee's life, faith is very precious. In the Dhyana Shloka of the great scripture of India, Bhagavad Gita, there is this beautiful stanza. It says, Mukam karoti vachalam pangum langayete girim yat kripa tavaham vande parmananda madhavam. Mukam karoti vachalam. Is it possible for a dumb person to speak eloquently? Yes, it is possible. Pangum langayete girim. Is it possible for a lame person to climb the Alps or climb the Himalayas? Yes, it is possible. How is it possible? Yat kripa tamaham vande. Who gains the grace of the divine? For him, everything is possible. Everything is possible. And as I said yesterday, to gain that grace of the Divine, a very important prerequisite in the spiritual path is faith. So I thought I'll share some thoughts on this very important prerequisite for progress in our spiritual life. Gita has two important lines which Swami used to often underline. He said, just as a river has two bunds, you know, which protect the waters and keep them in check. Similarly, for the river of life, if this river of life has to smooth, has to flow smoothly, peacefully, there are two bunds which should keep this river of life in check. The first one he said is Shraddhavan Lavade Gyanam. And the second one he said Sanshay Atma Vinashadi. They are like the two sides of the same coin. Shraddhavan Lavade Gyanam. Shraddha, in this context it means every word in Sanskrit actually has got so many meanings. In this context, Shraddha means faith. Those who have faith will certainly reach the goal. Certainly reach. Yesterday, Brother Suresh Govind was talking about you know, how we should move our conception of ourselves from the body-mind-intellect complex to the Atmic Consciousness. So, that realizing that who we are will certainly poss be possible, but the prerequisite is faith. Shraddha. 
the other part of this river of life swami said sanshyatma vinishyati do not have doubt those who doubt will certainly be destroyed whether other people will be destroyed or not that's a question mark but if there is a doubt that person will certainly get destroyed and this is the confirmation of the lord in the bhagavad gita so on the one hand we are asked to cultivate firm faith unshakable faith and the other hand we are asked not to doubt because doubt will destroy our spiritual sadhana now swami you know was giving a, his, his his analogies his stories used to be so unique so one day in his discourse he was sharing there is this man who was going on a journey so he was walking and in those days that was the main means of transport it came to afternoon time and he wanted to take some rest so he found this tree so he goes and takes rest under the tree now the tree happened to be not an ordinary tree it was a wish fulfilling tree wish fulfilling tree means it's called kalpataru whatever you ask of it the tree will give you so he was traveling since morning and he was thirsty and he suddenly thought to himself how wonderful it would be if i could get a cool glass of water and the next thing that happens is immediately in front of him there appears this cold glass of water and he's so surprised wow i just got a thought and the glass of water is here so he drank that water and he felt that his thirst was slaked he said how wonderful would it be if i could now get a nice lunch i have been traveling since morning i don't have any food immediately a plate full of dainty dishes manifest there he said wow i just thought about it and it's right in front of me so don't forget he's under a wish fulfilling tree so he sees the plate he has his food to his hearty content and then he says now we should have a little nap how wonderful it would be if i could have a little nice cot here so that i could take little rest before i proceed on my journey and lo and behold there is a cot which manifests there he said wow so he's lying down on the cot he says how wonderful it would be if i could have my wife here and if she could press my legs you know my aching legs what a relief it would be and lo and behold his wife manifests there right in front of him and says uh, my dear you know you must be tired let me press your legs and she is pressing his legs you know he's so surprised that you know every thought that is emerging and it's getting immediately realized 
And then suddenly he gets this thought. You know, I left my wife at home when I started my journey. How come my wife has come here? In the middle of my journey, how come she has come here and she's serving me? I don't think she is my wife. She must be a demon and she has come here to eat me up. The next moment, he found that his wife got transformed into a demon and gobbled him up. So Swami you know, used this analogy to say, See, when you come under a wish-fulfilling tree, how careful you must be with your thoughts. Because whatever you ask for, the wish-fulfilling tree will give you. So, when you come to a wish-fulfilling tree like the Lord, what to ask Him? You have to be very, very careful. And Swami would say, you know, many people, they come to a wish-fulfilling tree, but they don't know how to use the wish-fulfilling tree. And they go to the wish-fulfilling tree and they say, can you give me one kg of coffee powder? And it's a wish-fulfilling tree and he says, here, here is your coffee which you were asking for. He says, hey God, is that wish-fulfilling tree? Should you be asking God for a kg of coffee powder? You can go to the nearest mall and you can buy whatever you like. That's not something which you ask God. But that is man's state. He does not know what to ask. Of course, there are four stages or four categories of devotees as the Gita describes. There's the Arthi Artharthi. Jigyasu and Jnani. These are the four categories of people who love God. The Arthi. Who is the Arthi? He's the person in distress. He's having problem, like a student, you know. Exam time comes, my God, you should see how the prayers are, you know, rising to the crescendo. Or if it's a, a I don't know which is the favorite sport in Malaysia, is it football or whatever. So in India, you know, cricket is a great passion. So when our Indian cricket team is participating in the World Cup, you should see the kind of intensity of prayers that our students used to have. I remember one day um, the World Cup match semi-finals was going on in uh, Eden Gardens, Kolkata and India was participating in the match and here in Vrindavan, Swami is speaking to the students. Now he's speaking philosophy, he's speaking spirituality, but all the students are, you know, in the wavelength, Swami, can you stop quickly today? The match is going on in the hostel. We want to go and see the match. So Swami, you know, he caught the vibration of the student's thought. Suddenly he changed his topic and he started speaking about cricket and he started referring to the match which is going on. And the students become, you know, extremely alert. Wow, Swami is speaking about the match. So what's going to happen? Now, you know, because you can get advance notice even before the match is over. Is India going to win or is India going to lose? And then Swami made a statement which made the hearts of all our young patriots sing. Swami said, you know, the final had to be in Pakistan. 
Sami says it's good that the Indian team does not go to Pakistan. He hinted for security reasons is desirable that the Indian now if India should not go to Pakistan for the final, they have to lose the match. So that hint was very very clear to our students, and uh, so you know they felt oh my Lord Swami is already you know. So once Swami has made a statement, there will be no chance for India, and sure enough we lost the match. Sure enough we lost the match. So you know when you are in distress, you want something, you want God to give you something, and then God you know fulfills your desire. So if He is great, He is great. Or Artharthi, you know, there's something worldly you want. Swami, I want money, I want position, I want some promotion, I want some whatever. So, so many worldly desires we have. So, that's the Artharthi. Now, is it wrong? Is it wrong to ask God for all this? Absolutely not wrong. See, that's a beautiful phase of our association with the Lord. You know, you ask Him something and immediately He fulfills it. In fact, I'll share some uh, experience I had as a youngster. A lot of uh, reference was made to service activities. So I was in a city of in the eastern part of India. I grew up there called Kolkata. <clears throat> and our Satisai Seva organization used to take a lot of service activities. One of them was in the month of December, we would take up an eye camp. And those who have participated in an eye camp know when the surgeries are done, you know, for several days the patient has to be kept immobile and the family members or other people have to provide them assistance because their eyes are closed, they can't do anything on their own. So the Seva volunteers used to take care of them till they are discharged. So the organization would hire a school and for one week we would do Seva there. At the end of which, the people would then be discharged and the family members would come and take them. So cataract surgery and similar surgeries were undertaken. So we were asked to give names for service and uh, my grandfather was visiting our home. So I had opted for day service and uh, thought that at least when I come back in the evening I can spend some time with my grandfather. But our Seva uh, service coordinator, he said uh, there was shortage for night duty. So I have not asked you, didn't take your permission, but I have given your name. I couldn't tell my service coordinator, sir, uh, my grandfather is coming. Our elder has said, okay, whatever he said, we will follow. So I had night duty and daytime I used to be with home with grandfather. So it was the first night of the seva camp, the medical camp and 12 o'clock midnight. We were just five youngsters because no, none of the elders opted for that service. They said let the youngsters take care. So we were five youngsters. I was in my 12th standard at that time taking care of all those patients who had been operated that day. And for the patients, you know, it was like day, they don't know whether it's night or day. So they were chatting and they were talking and we were trying to give them company. 12 o'clock midnight, suddenly one fellow comes running and he says, Hey, Swami is here. Swami is here. Where is he? And you know, we rushed to the next room and there we saw this photograph of Swami and inside the glass 
you know, the photograph has a glass pane. Inside the glass, suddenly we found a small drop of Amrit, honey. And you can slowly see it emerging from Swami's photograph and it started flowing as a trickle. 12 o'clock midnight, the whole world is asleep. Nobody knows what's happening. The patients are there but they are not aware of what's going on. The only people who can witness this are these five youngsters in the medical camp. And only for those five youngsters, Swami is manifesting this Amrit inside the photograph. And we felt that, you know, Swami is with us. Swami said, in the Bhagavatam it is said, Wherever my name is sung, I manifest. But Swami made a slight modification. Of course, that is definitely valid. He said, wherever my work is done, I manifest. So when we take up Seva, actually through Seva, we will experience Swami. We will experience His presence. See, that's why it's so important to be connected with the Satisai Seva organization, to be connected with Seva service activities. So at 12 o'clock midnight, you know that honey flowing was such an amazing, amazing experience for all of us. One week of seva got over and now the patients have all left and the seva volunteers are winding up. It's a school so we are arranging the furniture back in every classroom. And as we were doing, this this devotee, he came. He said, here, please keep these coupons. What are these coupons? No, we are having a small pick for three tickets in the India-England match, international cricket match which is taking place in the Eden Gardens. So three lucky devotees will get a ticket today. So uh, this is a voucher for you for all the Seva volunteers. So each one of us got a ticket. After one hour, this gentleman again came. I said, uh, what is this? No, this is a voucher for all those Seva volunteers who are working till the 11th hour. He said, we have already got the voucher. No, no, you keep this for the 11th hour Seva volunteers. We are giving this extra ticket. Then we came for lunch and again lunch is served to everybody. And on the lunch table, again one more coupon was given to all. So, for some of our team, we had three vouchers for each one of us in that small basket where lots was about to be taken. And when this person came to give the first voucher, my friend next to me, he said, Hey, I am telling you, today you are going to get a ticket in the lucky dip. Hey, don't, you can't read anything on my face. Don't create stories like this and create expectations and things. No, 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 I am telling you, you are going to get it. So finally, lunch got over, we all came to that spot, they said, please now await the results of the lucky dip. And they picked up and the first name was announced and it was distributed. Then the second name was picked up and lo and behold, it happened to be my name. And all the elders, you know, they clap, oh, this youngster has got a cricket ticket for the test match. Then somebody came later and he said, you know, just before the lucky dip, I went to the basket, I just thought to myself, Swami, who is it that whom you would like to give a ticket? I just want to know. It's not official, but I just want to know. So he put his hand into the basket and picked up one chit and he told me that chit happened to be yours. 
So it's like, you know, Swami giving you the hint. I reached home. See, usually in those days, my father, whenever an international cricket match would take place, my father would get a ticket and both of us would share. Uh, for one day, we would go to the stadium. So he would go in the morning, I would go in the afternoon or vice versa. That year, it so happened, he could not get a ticket for me. That okay. So this time it so happened that when I got the ticket, in the lucky dip, I went with great excitement and told father, you know, father, now this time, earlier you used to get the ticket, this time I got a ticket and this time we can share. He said, this is Swami's gift to you for the one week of seva that you have done in the medical camp. See, look at it. If God wants to enter your heart, a teenager heart, he can enter with a ticket for a cricket match. So God is interested in everything that we are interested. See, so don't think that he is not interested, oh, there's something, you know, which is spiritual, something which is mundane, something which is professional. What are you interested in? In what you are interested, God is also equally interested. So, that arthi, arthati phase of our association with Swami is so beautiful. Of course, we should know how to use it. I mean, uh, it, uh, the, so many devotees have confessed that they have also misused it. Like going to Swami and saying, Swami, I've constructed a new house. Shall I paint my house blue or shall I paint it yellow? And Swami would say, painted pink. <laughs> you know, what all we have not used Swami for. I remember in a discourse, Swami was saying, you know, in India, people pray to me even for a bus ticket. <laughs> Swami, can you get me, I have to travel to Bangalore, can you get me a ticket? And I shared it with devotees in uh, UK and last fortnight I was in Singapore when I was sharing this. Uh, some of them also expressed the same thought. So UK devotees were saying, you know what, here in United Kingdom, we pray to Swami, Swami can you get us some car parking space? <laughs> now, again I say, is it right, is it wrong? Nothing. It's absolutely, he's waiting, you know, he's like a servant. You see, ask me, what? Try me, use me. You know, he loves. You ask him and he gives. And it's a beautiful, beautiful association. Uh, so many times, you know, devotees who come for the first time, Swami does. Ah, what do you want? I remember there was this uh, devotee. He... When he was asked this question in the interview room, he thought to himself, uh, Swami, every time you give some ring or some necklace or some watch to some people, I don't want some inanimate object. I want a live object. So when he made this prayer to Swami, he said, uh, what do you want? Some tiger? Lion? <laughs> <laughs> so suddenly, you know, he got unnerved by Swami's reply. He said, no, no. <laughs> uh, suddenly, you know, in the interview room, a lion manifests. I mean, it would have been such an anti-climax. So, uh, he quickly thought to himself and he said, No, Swami, a monkey will do. <laughs> so, the moment he said like that, Swami took his two palms like this. 
and lifted his upper palm. The moment he lifted his upper palm, a small monkey came in between his two palms. And Swami kept on lifting his hand and the monkey started growing, you know, in the palm. And uh, there was in the interview room, some of y'all who have visited may remember, there's a window sill, a window next to Swami's chair and there's a window sill where Swami usually would keep the Vibhuti basket. So the monkey jumped from Swami's palm onto the uh, window sill. And then uh, Swami looked at a lady, hey, there's a banana in your... In those days, people were allowed to take their bags, etc. to the mandir. So there's a banana in your bag, give it to me. So obviously, I think she would have planned it as her post-darshan breakfast. She didn't anticipate that Swami will be calling for an interview. So she pulled out that banana, Swami took that banana and gives it to the monkey. And the monkey, you know, very nicely, he peels the banana and he's eating the banana. And then Swami started speaking to the devotees as usual. See, this was described to me by one of our students. His mother was an eyewitness to this whole episode. And then the whole thing got over. And then Swami looked at the monkey and he put his hand out again. And from the windowsill, the monkey jumped onto Swami's palm. And then Swami put his hand on the head of the monkey and started bringing it down. And the monkey, right in front of the eyes, started becoming smaller, smaller, smaller and disappeared. So, you know, when Swami asked, Swami, what do you want? Recently, I was talking to one of our doctors in the general hospital at Prashantip. He is a dermatologist from Himachal Pradesh. And he was saying, I mean, what all we have asked Swami? He said, Swami, I want to see a ghost. <laughs> I was literally stunned, you know, with his prayer to Swami. I want to see a ghost. I have not seen a ghost in my life. And he was describing one day, it was a Shivaratri night and they had gone for the Sai Bhajans and they were returning to their home, 2 o'clock. The window was open and suddenly, out of the blue, he finds this spirit outside and you know, a terrible stench coming from, uh, from that direction and he's, you know, visualizing that whatever. So he recognized, oh, this is what has happened. The next thing, so he closes the window and uh, that spirit comes to the other side and his wife is sitting on the other side and you know, again the stench is coming and throughout till they reached the home, they could feel, you know, that bad smell in the presence of their spirit. Finally, when they reached home, it vanished. So, you know, you ask Swami, Swami, I want to see a ghost. Tathastu, most welcome. <laughs> you know, I mean, that is the Swami which we have seen and known. So, he is like a mother, you know, he will give you what you want. But, why is he doing it? Why is he doing it? Is he interested in just giving us all that? He fulfills our desires. I remember once, uh, <clears throat> it so happened that we were asked to serve in the stadium, one day, just before 60th birthday of Bhagwan, and uh, Swami announced in the mandir, students, from tomorrow onwards, don't come for darshan. 
and my heart sank swami we will not be allowed to come for your darshan i mean what mistake have we done and in those days the feeling was there is to be a you know rumor going on that after 60th birthday swami will become very distant he will not be available he won't be accessible and those kinds of things swami 60th birthday is still far away today itself you are telling from now onwards no darshan then the next thing which he said was very reassuring next thing he said every day after college you all go to the stadium the stadium there's a world the balvikas conference which is going to take place and you'll have to prepare the stadium do service there and i will come and give darshan to you so that's what happened and those were beautiful days every day evening we would be doing service in the stadium and the best part was you have swami's darshan he, his chair would be put in the middle of the ground and no matter where you're serving in the stadium you can just look and swami is sitting there with a few elders and the, another very big attraction was that swami would send prasad so there would be a jeep behind swami's car carrying you know all goodies and it would be distributed to the all the volunteers all the students so we would look forward today what is the prasad so one day i got a opportunity to serve in the area just behind our hostel which was a little away from the stadium so you can't see swami so i was cursing myself what a place they have allotted today we can't have swami's darshan the second thought which occurred to me every day swami is giving only sweets why not he give us an apple few seconds later few seconds later some student comes and running and says hey swami is calling all of us so as it is i was mentally cursing what is this you know they have given us such a spot we can't see swami from here all that and the moment somebody comes and tells you hey swami is calling so what a bonanza so i threw everything there and we all rushed and i stopped in my tracks when i saw swami he was distributing apples he was distributing apples and uh, then he looked in my direction did i give you apple this is no swami and you know he threw an apple in my direction and i caught hold of it and i was really stupefied i was just thinking swami of course foolish of me to think what is wrong of course <clears throat> once when i was sharing this in the presence of some devotees one of the elders shared swami was distributing apples in the mandir and this gentleman saw swami giving apples to the students and he thought to himself an apple a day keeps the doctor away an apple a day keeps the doctor away so swami finished the distribution and came to where this gentleman was seated and he goes up to him and asks what you thinking is it correct he thought to himself and he said uh, he kept quiet first again swami asks what are you thinking is it correct then he said swami i was thinking an apple a day keeps the doctor away yes is it correct and then this gentleman said no swami it cannot be correct because otherwise everybody will have an apple and nobody will fall sick and swami said no it is correct the apple i give is not merely an apple it is a symbol of my grace and those who have my grace they will keep the doctor away so uh, you know that was the insight which swami gave us there so uh, this experience i shared it first in swami's presence and of course swami enjoyed it 10 years later 
another occasion I was speaking to the students in Swami's presence and uh, when I narrated this, suddenly Swami looked at me and he said, why you should have those kinds of thought? Whatever Swami gives, you should be happy with that. Why today I got only sweet, I want the apple, why that kind of feeling? Now look at it. Ten years ago, when I narrated it in Swami's presence, he enjoyed it and he didn't say a word. Ten years later, when I'm narrating it, he gives another kind of insight. Whatever I give, be happy with that. So, you know, you can't be all the time in your kindergarten. From first standard, you have to get promotion to second, to fifth, to higher classes. So, I realized from that, that Swami gives us what we want. The whole idea is that we start inquiring what has Swami come to give us? What has Swami come to give us? And that's when you try to migrate from the Arthi Artharthi stage to a different orbit. And to do that migration, faith is so important. One day a devotee asked Swami, Swami, why do the sages in the Himalayas not come to you? Now what a question. Swami said, this avatar is not for them. This avatar is not for the sages in the Himalayas. Why? Because I am all the time with them. I am all the time. The sages are with me and I am with the sages. You know, the Lord is described as Rishi Manas Sanchari who roams in the minds of the Rishis. He is all the time, 24 by 7 in the minds of the Rishis. So, they are with me and I am with them, 24 by 7. So, this avatar is not required for them. This avatar is also not required for that segment of society who in this lifetime will not be able to recognize me. Who will not be able to recognize me? That segment of society, not in terms of material or economic status, in terms of their spiritual status. Maybe their karma is so bad that they will not be able to recognize the divinity in this life. Of course, is Swami biased? No, he, a, he says, I will come again for you if you are not ready. But in this lifetime, you don't have that punyam to recognize me. Then Swami, for whom is this avatar? And Swami says, this avatar is for people like you. Swami told that devotee, it's for people like you who have faith this minute and next minute where that faith has vanished into thin air, nobody has a clue. Nobody has a clue. For people like you, this avatar has come. So, you know, to gain faith, Having got that faith, to retain that faith is one of the very important aspects on our spiritual journey. Some people say that it's a uh, 10 minutes, 10, 10? Yeah, another 5 minutes, okay. 
So, coming to, because we have one more session, so we can continue tomorrow also. But let me come to one important conclusion. Many people ask, I will have faith if I have experience. Swami's contention is, no, faith should be first, then you will get experience. You know, it's like the chicken and egg dilemma. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? So, you cannot get experience unless you have faith. So, it's very, very important first to have faith. I'll end with this particular episode. It was happened, I think, two, three years ago. One day, I was searching for an examiner for one of our new papers in a new program which had been launched in the university. And uh, I was asking so many people, they were not able to give me any names. Finally, I remembered that there was this devotee who used to come as a visiting faculty for that particular subject for conducting a practical in Vrindavan, which is our Bangalore campus of the university. So I ran up to him, I said, sir, we need uh, you to set this question paper in this subject. Is it possible for you to do it? He said, sorry, I may not be able to do it because I am a man from industry, I am not from academics. He said, but you are an expert on this field and uh, why not you make an attempt? He said, okay, I will do my best. So I sent him an e-copy of the book. But look at Swami's devotees, he found it a little uncomfortable, he went to the shop, he purchased the hard copy of the textbook, he set that question paper and sent it over. In time, two weeks later, I was having food in the South Indian canteen in Prashanti Ashram. I come out of the canteen and I see this gentleman outside the building and he said, Hey, what are you doing here? He said, you know what, yesterday I was going to my office, suddenly I got acute abdomen pain, I went to the hospital. They said, sir, you are having kidney stones, please get admitted today, tomorrow we will do the surgery. You know, he got so shaken up. And those who have experienced kidney stones know how excruciating pain you go through when you are having that. So he rang up to our friends in our Bangalore campus and they connected him with the super hospital. So he came with all his medical reports. He said, no, before I go for surgery, I need a second opinion. So they looked at all his reports and they said, sir, uh, it is true that you're having kidney stones and uh, we'll give you some medicine for 15 days. Just observe. If it doesn't help, we'll do the surgery. So... That was his state of mind. I just thought, you know, a person is in distress. What else when can we tell him? So I just remembered my own experience. And I said, uh, you know, nine years ago, I also had kidney stones. So I was in Vrindavan. I was the principal of our Bangalore campus. And suddenly morning I got up. Swami was in Vrindavan. He was uh, giving darshan there. But I was in no position to go to the darshan hall. I had darshan for my room because I could not sit, I could not lie down, I could not stand. That was the excruciating pain. So the moment darshan got over, I went to the warden and he sent me to the hospital with a student. And I went to the meet the doctor and Swami has trained his doctors. Uh, so he said, uh, you have kidney stones but I will give you some painkiller. The ultrasound specialist is coming in the afternoon. Please meet her. So she came, she did her ultrasound test and 
everything is there on the screen and she started and this is the training you know Swami has given to his doctors very nicely they know how to speak to patients she started you have diamonds in your stomach she said <laughs> so immediately you know everything is confirmed I said who wants diamonds in the stomach if you have diamonds in your earrings or rings you know something I don't want diamonds in the stomach then she looked at our doctor uh, who was uh, our hostel doctor also he said you know so and so he has had so many of these diamonds in the past in his life I said let him have as many as he want I have no aspiration for imitating him but the sum and substance was that the whole thing got confirmed and they said that tomorrow the urologist is coming so please meet the specialist I went back and then you know one of the elders he was sharing you see today afternoon I went to Swami and I uh, mentioned to Swami Swami our principal has been diagnosed with kidney stones and then Swami said ah nothing like that it's all gas he said <laughs> here you know you come from the doctor on the screen they have all this and here Swami said it's gas so next day I went to meet the specialist, I met him, he asked me to go have an x-ray and he's looking at that x-ray report, he's looking it upside down, scanning it inch by inch and he said at the end of it, there's no kidney stone in the x-ray, even if it was there I think it has gone away, <laughs> it's gone away. So I just thought to myself, see look at Swami, he just said, it's all gas and the stone became gas. So for all its worth, I shared it with my devotee friend. I said, see, this is my experience. For whatever it's worth, I'm just sharing it with you. Two days later, I meet this person. What happened? He said, what shall I say? I went to the hospital today and the doctor said, we did the tests today. There is no kidney stones for you. See, in my case, Swami mentioned there is no such stone, it is gas. In this devotee's case, he heard the story of somebody's kidney stone became gas and by listening to that story, his stone became gas. See, that is the power of a faith of a devotee. With these few words, I close here and we'll continue again tomorrow. Sir.